This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 398 with Ariel Garten. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 398. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Ariel Garten is a fearless neuroscientist, psychotherapist, mom, former fashion designer, and the female founder and visionary of an amazing and highly successful tech startup, Muse, a device that reads brains. She shows how through meditation and technology, you can improve mental, physical, and emotional state to become your very best possible self. I was really, really curious to have Ariel come and talk about Muse, about her device. I've actually been using it. So Muse is a headband that you put on your head that helps you meditate and helps track your brain waves or your brain activity, I guess, while you're meditating. It's super, super interesting. So I wanted Ariel to come on and talk about her inspiration behind the product, how moms especially can benefit from calming our minds down and the different ways that we can do that, how we can get our kids involved in it. So I knew this was going to be a really interesting conversation. Also, I'll tell you, Ariel has the most relaxing voice ever. So like you're going to feel zen just listening to her talk. So listen in to hear Ariel share why she stepped down as the CEO of her own company when she became a mother, her number one tool to let go in order to build her dream life how to teach yourself that you are not your thoughts, 
the neuroscience of meditation and how to dramatically improve your brain function over time, how to integrate meditation as an imperfect practice, the benefits of meditation for kids and simple ways to get started at a very young age, how to find the power to quiet your mind and truly free your mind, and how to overcome barriers around fear in your mind. And this is like so many of us and myself included, like, oh, I should meditate more, but I just don't know when. And I feel like it's hard to quiet my mind down. This episode and conversation is really going to inspire you to look at meditation in a different, more accessible way. And I felt like super inspired by the end of this interview to really invite more opportunities for meditation in small ways, in simple ways, in easy ways into my life to just kind of get curious about how I could practice it without being hard on myself about feeling like I'm not very good at it. So I hope it does the same for you. Very excited to introduce to you and welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy, Arielle Garten. Arielle, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm excited and honored to have you here today. It is my honor and pleasure to be here and sharing with all my fellow Shameless Moms. This is going to be great. So I want you to tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. That's an interesting question. So in my professional life, I founded this company, Muse. I was the founder and CEO for seven years. And then when I gave birth, I stepped down as CEO, which was a major decision and absolutely the right one to do. We're going to have to dig into that, but go ahead. (laughs) We can totally dig in there. And so now I'm the evangelist of the company. So I get to go around and talk to people about mental health and how to keep it or make it if you didn't have it in the first place and also support the office as well as make sufficient time to play with my cute little three-year-old. Oh my gosh. I love it. So awesome. Okay. So let's go back now and talk a little bit about being in the role of CEO and stepping back from that when you entered motherhood. It was a fascinating decision and one that I always imagined that I would make. But until you get to that moment where you have to give up all of this glory and power and then become overwhelmed with the fact that you've made this decision and wonder if it's right, it seemed much easier in concept than it was in practice. So I had spent my 20s. I founded the company more or less in my mid-20s. So I spent from my mid-20s to my mid-30s building the company, raising funding, flying all over the world, pushing the product out and spending every single moment of my life focused on doing this, which was great. And I loved it. And I felt like that was my first baby. And when it came time to have a real human physical baby that you could hold and hug and care for Mm -hmm. in a very different way, I knew that I wanted to be able to donate all of my time to it and all of my attention. And I was a female tech CEO and people would always be like, oh my God, you're a female tech CEO. Clearly you can do it all. Clearly you're in this place of power. Don't you want to be like Marissa Mayer, like pregnant and running a company. And I'm like, no, that sounds terrible. I do not want to have a nursery in my office. That sounds like the worst thing possible. So so I made the decision. Yeah. And people expect that you do everything. So aren't you just supposed to do everything? And it's like, no, actually, the privilege that I have in my life is the privilege of saying, no, I don't want to do everything. Wow. I love it. Yeah. The privilege of stepping back and saying, actually, I would like to demote myself in my career and I would like to really be focused and available as a mom having a kid Mm -hmm. and building a family. And can you talk a little bit about your identity? I actually, before having my child, decided that I was going to step back from some of my work running a gym. And I tried to do that for four months and 
could not let go of my identity as an entrepreneur and a business owner. Like I thought that I wanted to really embrace being a mostly stay-at-home mom. And then when I tried to do it, I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be and not what I am cut out for. So can you talk a little bit about your identity and what was that shift like? And how did that feel when you went from being focused as your role in CEO or focused on your role as CEO to being focused on your role as a primary focus? So first it was very difficult and I kept feeling the need to continue to overachieve Mm. and continue to make and create. So like even, you know, at eight months pregnant, I was in California at Sheryl Sandberg's house for Arianna Huffington's book launch, like flying way later than I should have. Like I was, you know, the entrepreneur who was on every plane doing everything. And, you know, the night I was supposed to give birth, I'm making art for my child. Oh my gosh. And then I give birth and I'm like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I postpartum depression, which I didn't realize. So context, I'm a mental health professional and I didn't realize that I had postpartum depression, what it really, really was until I had it. And, you know, stepping back and saying, hold on, like I just made the greatest creation of my life, a human being. I don't actually need to have this other output. I don't need to do this other stuff. There's nothing I need to prove to anyone or anything. I can just be here was actually an incredible gift. And at times it's very difficult because you're like, You're somebody who's used to having all of your own time and being able to make your own choices and go wherever you want in the world. And all of a sudden you're stuck for 12 hours a day in a house, get to the park if you're lucky, maybe to a play date if you've really got it all together and you become, as all of us know, a very different person. And so there is a process of coming to terms with that and a process of, you know, mourning and letting go and accepting that there was so much here that I still wanted and that I could continue to intellectually stimulate myself at the times when you get sufficient amount of sleep and you can bring your head above water and do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. But I've transitioned to a life where I love being a mom and I have so much fulfillment here. I still want to do things in my life and create things and I still do, but it's in a very different, very balanced way. Mm. I mean, obviously you're working some because you're on this show right now. So (laughs) what is your current role in your company or in your business and how do you mix that with motherhood? So you're going to laugh. Where am I working from? I'm working from my kid's bedroom. Yes, I'm literally sitting it. in my child's room looking at his crib because he's out with the nanny. We only have a two bedroom apartment house, okay. so there's really nowhere else to do it. And the baby's room turns into my office when the baby leaves. Okay. So this, this is like real mom 101. Totally, here. totally. But I love it. So you do have some childcare time and some time that you are doing work project things. It sounds like. Yes. So I do have childcare that comes and uh, takes care of my child so that I can work. Um, And I, like many moms, would probably go crazy if I couldn't because there's still this, you know, sense of wanting to do something greater Mm -hmm. and sense of wanting to, you know, fulfill one's own purpose and mission beyond motherhood and family. I don't think I'd be satisfied just being a mom, but it fills 80% of me. It's actually incredibly satisfying. And there's a lot of like letting go of expectation of what you should be in order to be in this place where this is satisfying. Oh my gosh, such a great statement. There's a lot of letting go to get over your own expectations and other people's expectations of you, I would imagine. Can you talk a little bit about letting go and how you let go? Meditation, meditation, meditation. (laughs) Oh my gosh, perfect segue. I'm sure that wasn't planned, right? (laughs) So (laughs) it wasn't, it really was the the thing that has allowed me to let go. It's the thing that allows me to like rise above the urges and the frustration Mm. and allows me to really see who I am and what I want and rise above somebody else's sense of 
urgency or somebody else's sense of expectation and just go like that is clearly not real or not true. Yeah. I don't need to buy into that stuff anymore. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. So let's dive into this because I feel like meditation is a little bit like working out where you're like, well, I've heard it's great. I know I should do it, but like, when am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? So let's kind of go to like nuts and bolts. Can you talk through what is meditation? How does it work? How do you do it? And what are the benefits? Sure. So it's very funny. It very much is much like going to the gym. It's like, how do those other people get like two hours to go to the gym every night? How does that happen? <laughs> right, right. How do they get so fit? Like, I just can't figure that out. So I seem to have figured out the meditation thing and now make a tool to help people meditate, which is similar to going to the gym, but at your house. Exactly. So what meditation is, it's not a weird or woo-woo thing. Meditation is a practice or a training that leads to healthy and positive mind states. So there are many different forms of meditation that you would have heard of, that you might have heard of Zen or Buddhist or focused attention. The simplest one is often a focused attention meditation. So in a basic focused attention meditation, what you do is you put your attention on your breath. Your mind begins to wander because all of our minds wander. That's okay. When your mind wanders, you then notice it's wandered and choose to bring your attention back to your breath. That's all it is. So attention on your breath, mind wanders, notice return to breath. And so you're doing this super simple exercise of watching your mind, noticing when it's wandered away, and then making the choice to bring it back to a neutral object. And now you're like, okay, is that it? Is that literally all I'm doing? And is this what everybody's so crazy about? <laughs> well, turns out, yeah. Then the answer is yes. It turns out this very simple action also actually has some pretty profound implications. So most of us kind of just go through life with thoughts happening in our head. We presume we're supposed to be thinking the thoughts that are in our head and they're sometimes negative, ruminative, frustrating, but that's just the mental world that we live in. And with meditation, when your mind wanders away from your breath and you choose instead of following your wandering thought about the grocery list or your kid or what you could be doing, you say, nope, I don't want to follow that thought. I want to come back to my breath. And when you do that, something really phenomenal happens. For the first time, you have made a choice about the contents of your mental space. You're saying, no, I don't want to follow my wandering mind or whatever garbage my brain is giving me. I want to actually choose where my brain goes and what it thinks about. And so in this exercise, you're just bringing yourself back to your breath. It's just a place of neutrality. And every time your thought gets pulled, you then say, nope, I'm coming back to my breath. So as you do this, you're eventually learning that you are not your thoughts and that all of the stories that your thoughts tell you about you and the world are also something you don't need to buy into. You have a choice about what you're thinking, whether you believe your thoughts or not, and where you want to put your time, your attention, and your mind. Super powerful. And I love this idea of the power of better managing our thoughts and feeling like we have a better sense of control over that and more peace around it as well. I think that's something that is one of the things that's so overwhelming about motherhood is that there's so much noise and it comes from so many places. And so there's like literal noise that's, you know, in the middle of our kitchen. <laughs> and then there's also like this external noise of like social media and moms who look so perfect all the time. And there's just a lot, a lot of stuff. And so to be able to have a tool that can make you feel powerful around like, oh, I get to choose to shut that out. I get to ch shut out the Instagram noise. I get to shut out my child screaming and banging on the windows as a drum noise, like all those things, <laughs> I think it just gives us a ton of power, which allows us to feel more at ease in a really busy space. 
This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. It's incredibly accurate. Yeah, every time you say, I don't want to follow that thought, I don't want to follow that sound, I don't want to follow that ding on my phone, I don't want to follow my mother-in-law's expectations, every time you say no, you're saying yes to what is here and in the present moment. Yes. So when we're in our thoughts, it's very, can be frustrating, can be anxious, we're being driven by those thoughts, and those thoughts then drive emotions, which drive, you know, our actions and interactions. It's a very powerful cycle. And when you intervene at the place of thought and say, no, I don't want to follow that thought, I want to just come to this place of neutrality and peace and I can make that choice. It is so empowering. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Talk a little bit about the neuroscience of meditation. Sure. So it turns out that as you're doing this simple exercise, you're actually having a real impact in your brain. So there's the area in the front of your head that's called your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain responsible for planning, higher organization. It's the thing that sets us apart from other animals. And as we do this meditation exercise, you're actually strengthening your prefrontal cortex. So your prefrontal cortex is kind of like the wise parent. Behind your prefrontal cortex in your midbrain is your amygdala. So your amygdala is the thing that governs your fight or flight response. It's the thing that allows you to feel anxious. It's the thing that's always scanning the world looking for danger and causing you to be like, (gasps) when you see something that might be slightly off-putting. It's also the thing that causes us to feel upset when we feel like somebody else is mad at us or when our pants are wrinkly or when we're not, you know, living up to somebody else's judgment. Amygdala is generally responsible for a bunch of really unpleasant, unhelpful, hypervigilant, and sucky feelings that we get throughout the day. Mm, Okay. And as you meditate, in a long-term meditator, what you actually see is an improvement in the prefrontal cortex. So long-term meditators are actually able to maintain or enhance the thickness of the prefrontal cortex as they age. And you see a down-regulation of the amygdala. So in a short-term meditator, in some studies, you see less activity in the amygdala. And in a long-term meditator, in some studies, you see actually a decrease in the size of the amygdala. And it's kind of like as you meditate, the prefrontal cortex, who is the parent, learns to downregulate and calm and manage the amygdala, who is the child. So as your prefrontal cortex, yeah, it's fascinating. And it's like this dance between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. And what you see from a neuroscience perspective is you actually see increased connection between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala in some people. And you're seeing an increased ability for the prefrontal cortex to downregulate and quiet the amygdala. And so as you know, prior to a meditation practice, you might feel kind of anxious and your amygdala is, is firing. As you engage a practice and do it regularly, you are practicing your prefrontal cortex ability to say, shh, amygdala, actually, it's all cool. We can calm down now. Everything's okay. And I would imagine over time, these responses get quicker and more direct. <laughs> yes. And that's why meditators often seem so calm and cool and collected. And, you know, when you're in an emergency situation or your kid's freaking out, you feel like you have more space to respond because your amygdala isn't immediately just jumping to it, giving you this burst of cortisol and, you know, scary anxiety feelings. You actually have a more calm response if you're able to do the practice regularly. Your brain has actually changed the way that it responds. I love this because I think we talk a lot about in the Shameless Mom Academy, we talk a lot about being a reactive space in motherhood and how there's so many benefits to being in a proactive space. And so like I talk about starting your day off before your kids get up so that you don't start your day off with someone screaming in your ear, you know, two inches from your bed. And so I love (laughs) this. And I think this is true story, right? Like this, this is how so many of us start our day in a reactive space and we just move from one reactive event to the next. And so I love the idea of teaching your brain how to be more proactive and less reactive in those, you know, high acuity moments of our lives, which sometimes if you have a three-year-old, as in your case, I mean, that could be 18 times in one hour. And so there's (laughs) so much power in not going to that reactive place to have that brain control to be like, even though my child is really trying to, you know, not intentionally trying, but is doing things that would typically really trigger a person. 
I have the power to continue to be thoughtful and intentional in my response and versus just increasingly frustrated and reactive. It's so powerful. And in meditation, what we learn is to enhance our metacognition, Mm. the ability to be aware of our thinking. So as you do this exercise of watching your mind wander and then choosing to bring it back, you're building your metacognition, your ability to rise above a scenario and kind of see it from the top down. Mm. And so rather than always feeling like we're inside of it and the kid's screaming and you're screaming and now you're both screaming, that's just what happens. As you build your metacognition, you're able to sort of take yourself outside of situations and have perspective, have perspective on your feelings, on his feelings and on the situation overall, which makes it much easier to manage meltdowns because you don't get caught up into it. You're above it in a place of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. So for moms who struggle to quiet our minds, how do we get started with meditation? So the first thing to know is it's totally okay if your mind doesn't quiet. It's really fine. Like we have this perception of the meditator as somebody who like you sit there and your mind goes totally blank and it's all going to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you've been meditating for years, your mind does not go blank. So don't have that expectation. When you sit down to meditate, your mind is going to wander very quickly from your breath. And all you have to do is notice and return. And then it'll wander again, which is cool because all our minds wander. Mm -hmm. Our minds are amazing, creative, generative places. And so what we're just building is this ability to notice and return. And then over time, as you keep doing the exercise, what you're going to find is that it wanders less often and it listens to you more effectively when you stay in that place of focused attention. That's so helpful. And I love that you point out that (laughs) that as you evolve in your practice of meditation, your mind still wanders because I totally envision people who are veterans of meditation (laughs) being people who just immediately can shut it all off. And like, I don't understand, like, how does one get there? So I absolutely appreciate that distinction that it happens to everyone. I also, I'm curious, one of the things that I do, and I've joked about this in the past, and I've gone through phases of meditation. And one of the things my mind always does is I immediately start making to-do lists in my head. Like, and I think it's because between running a company and parenting and running, you know, having a marriage and like all these different hats that I wear, as soon as there's like any quiet in my head, I've somehow have trained myself to make lists of things to do. Like, it seems like I've created space for like, oh, now I can like finally organize all the things I should do into a row of like, you know, 37 items in order of how they should be prioritized. And so I'm curious if that's something that happens with other people, if you've experienced that. And again, like, what do we do? And this is where we go. It's actually quite common. And one of the you know, sort of references that we use to meditation is like, oh, then your mind wanders and you're on the grocery list. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's really common that when you're in this blank space, your mind just wants to fill it with stuff. Mm -hmm. And the easiest thing to fill it with is often like a nice itemized list. Yes. Because it seems so pretty and so organized and so satisfying. Mm -hmm. And you're at a fantastic place, which is you notice what your mind is doing. So a big part of what we learn in meditation is just to observe the process of our own minds and to understand so that we can make different choices if we choose. And there may be some days where you're like, you know what, I really want to be organizing my list and that's going to just be the most important thing I can do right now. And at that point you won't be meditating, but that will be the choice that you've made. Mm -hmm. And hopefully most other days you're going to say, actually, I don't need this list right now. This is just a habit of my mind. I know this is just a place that I go to. And what I'm learning to do through meditation is to build different habits, is to open up the space of possibility of things that I could be doing right now. So I'm not going to go to my go-to place. I'm going to let go of that. I'm going to come back to my breath. 
And if the list comes back in again, that's cool. I know that's the habit of my mind. And I'm going to thank my mind for being alive and being human and being me. And I'm going to say, hey, we're going to try something different again Mm -hmm. and come back to your place of focused attention. I love that. And I think that the interesting thing is for high achiever kind of people, I feel like we always want something to feel really intentionally productive. And so I'm curious if that's why maybe we go to this place of building lists where like, because meditation itself maybe doesn't feel there's not an immediate sense of, Oh, now that like, I can tell immediately that I've accomplished something when I'm done with accomplished it. Something. But if I've yep. made a list in my head while I'm meditating, now I feel like I've accomplished something. I think that might be <laughs> so why that's I a do really- it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really great insight. So awesome. This whole meditation thing is working. Look at all the insights you've had. You've discovered the habit that you have. You've discovered your motivation behind the habit and the feeling that you're trying to achieve through it. And then the next level is to say, you know what, that is simply a feeling you know, the fact that I feel like I need to achieve in every moment is a construct. Mm. And I can let go of that construct too. And I can come back to being in that moment. And the construct will likely come back because they're like very compelling. Yeah, but they're just constructs. Oh, that's super powerful. That's like very helpful to my mind. So can you talk a little bit about how moms can fit meditation into their lives? I feel like, and I mentioned this earlier, that we feel like we should meditate. Like, oh, we've heard it so great, just like exercising. Like, I know I should, but where do I fit it in? And I also feel like, similar to exercise, there's, we have rules. Well, if I can't do it for X amount of minutes, three times a day or twice a day or whatever, then I just shouldn't do it at all. So can you break down kind of how what it quote unquote should look like and can look like, and then tips for integration into a routine practice. Sure. So the other sort of golden rule of meditation is do it for as long as you want to do it. Like do it for the amount of time that's right for you, not the amount of time that you think you should. Because if somebody's a beginner meditator and you sit down for a 10 minute practice, that can be quite difficult. And then you'll just get frustrated. You'll think meditation sucks and you suck at it and you won't do it again. So, you know, with Muse, we always say, start with three minutes a day. If that's all you can do, that's fine. Do your meditation for three minutes. If you feel like you've rocked that three minutes, great. Set your timer for three minutes more. And maybe next time you can set it for five minutes and then seven and then 10. A lot of the studies around meditation have been run at 20 minutes of meditation. In our studies with Muse, we look at people who've done 10 minutes of meditation. We see you know, significant benefit. Other studies have run it with 20 minutes and again, see benefit. Okay. So you want to try to meditate every single day, try to do it at the same time so that you create a routine. And just like brushing your teeth or making your kids dinner, you know, as soon as you put something into a routine, it becomes a natural part of your day. And then you're likely to do it. Put it in your calendar. For me, I like to meditate both in the morning and the evening. So I'll actually meditate in bed before I get out of bed. I'll often do it just lying down after I've woken up. I will do my meditation. And then I'll do another formal meditation in the evening after my kid's gone to sleep. But once you've done a meditation practice for a period of time, you exist throughout the world meditating. You exist throughout the world in this practice of mindfulness, which is the skill that you build in meditation. And I'll often, you know, I'll be very aware of my thoughts, where they are. I'll choose to bring them into the present moment. And if I need an extra moment because I notice that I'm stressed or tense or overwhelmed by something, I'll sit down and I'll just do a like two minute focused attention on my breath, deep breathing and reset. So it's something that over time just becomes really naturally built into your day. I love that. I love it. So I know people are going to say, if I try to meditate in bed in the morning, I'll just go back to sleep. <laughs> so Yeah. So if that's the case for you, 
don't worry about it. Don't do that. Okay. Get out um, of bed. <laughs> get up, brush your teeth, do your stuff and do right. it. And there's no magic to meditating in the morning. Some people love meditating in the morning because they feel like it sets them up for their day and they feel great and then accomplished. Mm-hmm. For other people, but their brain's just not there. They're not morning people. So do it in the evening or do it in a work break. Close your office, schedule it in your calendar. Do it, you know, after your kid has gone to bed, after you put all the dishes in the dishwasher and wipe down the countertops, set aside your 10 minutes of me time You know, just find the time that works for you. I love that. That was actually my next question. It's, is there an ideal time of day? So it sounds like there's not. And it sounds like the ideal time is the time when you will actually do it. <laughs> Perfectly correct. Okay, great. Not that we strive for perfection right. in any way, but that right. answer was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Okay. I want to talk a little bit about getting kids involved in meditation. And I'm asking about this specifically because I have a kid who struggles with anxiety and also he has high emotions, but he stuffs them. So it's not high emotion. That's like visible to me. It's a lot of internalization of pretty big emotion. And I'm constantly trying to figure out what, like I'm always trying to get him to talk about his feelings, which is the last thing he wants to do. So I have been really thinking about how I could help him integrate some meditation, especially at bedtime when his nerves run highest. So can you talk a little bit about introducing kids to the benefits of meditation? Sure. And the benefits of meditation to kids are huge. So in a study done by MindUp, which is Goldie Hawn's organization that brings meditation to schools, they saw that elementary school students who meditate had a 15% improvement in their math scores. Awesome. Even more awesome, about a 25% improvement in their pro-social behavior and 25% decrease in their aggression. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Whoa. Really, really cool. Yeah. So getting your kids to meditate is really powerful. How you do it is another question. So if your child is really young, too young to sit, you can start by just introducing the concept of three deep breaths. Mm -hmm. So when he or she really wants something like their tablet, if that's something you do in the house or a game that they want to play, you can say, yep, we'll totally do it after you do three deep breaths and model it and do it with them. Like my kid is so cute when he's like, (laughs) (laughs) we do a lot of deep breaths in our house. So this may be very familiar to my child. We tend to do them though, when there's like high emotions and we do them to kind of downgrade his emotions and get him to relax. And that's that's like the first, it sounds like that's kind of the precursor. Yeah. So three deep breaths. And then as they get older and can count till 10, 10 deep breaths. And then just make that something that's a part of your family life that if they want something, three deep breaths or 10 deep breaths. And that's going to come into handy when they start to learn to self-regulate. Like it sounds like you're doing wonderfully with your child. When they feel emotional, it's like, great. Now let's do three deep breaths or they're upset or they're, you know, being disciplined Mm -hmm. and they may say, no, I don't want it. But the key is to point out how they feel afterwards. So you're starting to build in your children the emotional intelligence and the awareness that they can calm themselves down. So if your child is upset and they do three deep breaths, ask, how do you feel? Calmer, totally leading question, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then they'll typically say yes. They might say no if they're being defined in that moment. But afterwards, they'll come back to it. You do it again. How do you feel? Calmer? Yes. And they'll like feeling calmer. And so they recognize they have a tool where just by doing these magic deep breaths, they can regulate and start to calm themselves. And then from there, you can start to build it into a more quote unquote formal practice. And the best way to get your kid meditating is obviously to watch you meditate. So if you're a mom meditating, again, no pressure. You don't have to do this to like, you know, be the perfect mom. But sometimes it works nicely to meditate in an obvious place. Your child can see you doing it. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a bit of a dialogue around your house. You know, oh, mom's doing her thing again. 
And then you can invite them to sit with you and only expect that they're going to sit for a minute or two minutes max. You know, these are squirmy kids and you can even make a game out of it. Like who can count the highest number of breaths? And if they're sitting there and they're counting their breaths, they are meditating. What they're doing is they're choosing to focus their attention on their breath. They're putting your attention, you know, in one place. It's not wandering all over the place. And if their attention wanders, you can bring it back to your breath and be like, okay, remember, we're going to, you know, who can count more breaths Mm -hmm. and make it a little game. Nice. Nice. And then we have an app called Meditation Studio. So there's the used device. And then we have a sister app, Meditation Studio. And in there are dozens of meditations for kids. Nice. So we that have was my next question. Kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. Guided meditations for kids. So we have a collection called Goodnight Kiddo, which is sleep meditations to help you fall asleep. And then we also have kids' meditations that they can use anytime. And while doing the guided meditation, you know, gets them engaged. It's like a sound coming off your phone. Uh, Actually, it's even on Alexa. You can say, Alexa, play goodnight kiddo. And in it, it also teaches them the technique. So it then becomes something that you can talk about and like, you know, remember like the lady said on the audio Mm -hmm. or in the guided meditation. And that becomes a thing that they become engaged in, you know, and just like dinosaurs or planets or any of the stuff that kids attach to, if you make it a fun, you know, part of your lives that you talk about where it's like a subject that comes up and that they can feel like they have some knowledge or mastery about as they learn about it over time. It, it, it weaves into the fabric of the family. Oh yeah. I love this. How about how long are the kids meditations on the app? They vary. Okay. So there's short ones and then the falling asleep ones. Some of them are up to 10 or 15 minutes okay. to help the kid fall asleep. Okay. So yes. it, it varies and you don't have to do the whole thing. If your kid gets up in the middle, that's okay. Yeah. But just, you know, get them started. I should tell you, my husband and I, we've been having many issues at bedtime lately with my son and his nerves around burglars. And so he's seven and it's just this ongoing situation. And the other night I came downstairs and I was super frustrated because it had taken me an hour to get him to bed. And after the hour, he was still wide awake. (laughs) But I finally was like, I'm going downstairs. I will come check on you later. And so I come down and my husband, when he puts him to bed, it takes like 15, 20 minutes. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Like, why do you get this done so quickly? And he's like, well, what are you doing when you're up there? And I'm like, oh, I'm rubbing his back and I'm telling him stories and I'm asking him what he's grateful for. He's like, why are you guys talking so much? (laughs) So then he said, (laughs) I was like, well, what do you do? And he's like, well, first of all, I have him take deep breaths. Now, I am like the person who knows about mental health out of our, in my marriage. And my my (laughs) husband's like, well, first I have him take deep breaths. And then he lays and practices relaxing his body. I was like, what? How do you know all these things? (laughs) <laughs> he's like, yeah, you should need, you don't need to have him like talking the whole time. So I'm excited to hear you say the same thing about the deep breaths. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just need to shut up and do some deep breaths at bedtime and let that be his place to practice his meditation. And then maybe I, I'm totally going to look into the app as well. Cause I think that could be really powerful. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously. And 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back. 
with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts, starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. Awesome. Now I'm so curious how it's going to go. Let me know. I know. I know. I'll have to keep you posted. But yeah, I was like, how is my husband who's so not Zen or into anything woo-woo? Like, he's like, yeah, we just do new breaths. Okay. So I'm loving all this. And I know you mentioned Muse and you mentioned the app. So tell people a little bit about Muse and about how we can use that as a meditative tool as it relates to grownups and kids. Sure. So Muse is a brain sensing headband that helps you meditate. So most of us, if we talked about during that meditation process are like, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, what's going on in my mind? There's like nobody sitting in the back black box of your mind when you're doing it, telling you if you're quote unquote doing it right or what you should be focusing on. And so we built a tool called Muse that actually gives you real time feedback on your mind during meditation to let you know when your mind is wandering, to guide you back to focused attention and to guide you into this process of staying in your focused attention state. So the metaphor we use is your mind is like the weather. When you're thinking, distracted, you actually hear it as stormy. You're literally hearing your mind while you meditate. And as you guide yourself back to quiet, focused attention, it quiets the storms. So you're getting real-time feedback during your meditation. So there's like literally like a coach in your head telling you what to do. And then after the fact, you get data, charts, graph scores that actually show you what your mind was doing and let you see your progress session after session. So you can see over time how your graphs change session by session. You can see the progress. So you don't have the question of like, am I getting better? Is this working? It's like here, there is a thing that's actually guiding you and showing you every day. Oh my gosh, I love this, especially for those of us that are motivated by metrics. (laughs) (laughs) and data. So fun. So you wear this, you wear the headband during your entire meditation and then the data is collected and you can access it afterwards. Is that correct? Exactly. So you wear the headband during the entire meditation and you actually get the real time feedback during your meditation. Okay. And with the original Muse, you're getting feedback on your brain while you meditate. And with our new device Muse 2, you get feedback on your brain, your heart, your breath, and your body. So you can actually hear the, yeah, it's incredible. You can actually like hear the beating of your heart, like the beating of a drum. Um, There's breath exercises to teach you to manage your breathing, to regulate your heart rate. There's body meditation. So for some of us, just like finding stillness is the very first step. And you can actually track both get real-time feedback during the fact and then track after the fact what your body and your mind were doing to give you additional insights into your practice. So cool. And can kids use the headband as well? So the headband we say is from 16 and up. Okay. And so older kids can use it. And it's quite common in a family that, you know, mom will bring it home. Dad steals it because he'd never had meditate, but he's like a data nerd. And so he gets fascinated by it. And then the kids start using it. And then everybody starts, you know, comparing, talking about it and it becomes a part of the family structure. Can one device be shared or does everyone? One device can be shared and then everybody just has their own account. Okay. your own data stays separate and just you access it and see it. Okay. And then the accounts are all run through the app then, the Muse app. Exactly. Yep. So cool. So cool. Oh my gosh. I love this. And then within the app, you said that there's children's meditations, but I'm assuming there's also a ton of stuff for adults as well. 
Yeah. So there are hundreds of guided meditations by dozens of top teachers. So we say, if you have a problem in your life, we have a meditation for that. You know, there's a relationship section, happiness, stress, sleep, tons of meditations to help you go to sleep for adults and for kids. There's a baseball collection because we did a partnership with the Kansas City Royals and we created a set of baseball meditations for them. So there's a travel section, entrepreneurship, performance, leadership, like literally anything you need in life. It's like, I'm stuck on the bus and frustrated. There's a meditation for that. Very cool. I love also, like, those are very intriguing topics. They're not just like peace, joy, and happiness. <laughs> They're like leadership and entrepreneurship, because here's the thing that sounds productive to me. So it sounds like, oh, I can <laughs> yes, meditate and be productive. <laughs> Learn about leadership. A productive mind of yours right. can get what it needs. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I love it. Until someday it realizes it doesn't need it. But until right. then, it will get exactly what things it needs. So I decided that my <laughs> one okay. of... It's all okay. Right. I've been thinking a lot about kind of the word I want from a theme for the year of 2020. And one of the words that came to mind, because it has not been something that's been super accessible in 2019, is spaciousness. And I feel like meditation could help a lot with spaciousness and allowing me to like step back from the need to always be in massive productivity mode. So you're just pointing me more and more in that direction, which I appreciate. My pleasure. So can we talk a little bit about how someone can live freely in their own mind? Uh, speaking of spaciousness, like how can we feel like, and especially moms, that we have the freedom in our mind, we have space in our minds, and it's rather than feeling, I think sometimes we just feel so trapped in the overwhelm and we don't feel like we have freedom in our mind at all. Yeah. And I can definitely identify with that. And I can also identify with the sense of being in freedom in my mind. So We all have control over our mental space, even if we don't feel like it. And so often our minds barrage us with the, you know, thoughts of you're not good enough and, oh, you forgot this thing. And so your brain brings it back up to you 50 times when you only needed to know once. Mm -hmm. And that fight that you had with your husband that your brain continues to, you know, present back to you when you really only needed to reference it again once and then let it go. You know, our brains are trying to do things for us, but sometimes in ways that are very not helpful. And when you start to understand the things that your brain does and the things it says to you, you can now start to make choices about it. And when it presents that argument with your husband for the 15th time because it's just desperately trying to figure out how you were right. You can say to it, no, actually, we don't need to go there again. Actually, thank you so much for like trying to figure this thing out for me, but I actually feel settled and I don't need it. And you can send your, you know, the part of you that's desperately trying to figure that out. You can send it some love and say like, hey, it's okay. Like we can let this argument go. And we can start to take the time to make choices about the thoughts that we're having and actually challenge those thoughts when we don't want to have them. Not in a confrontational way, but in a way that's like, I choose that you don't need to come back again. I choose that I can let you go. I send you peace and love and I send you on your way. And with practices like meditation, we learn the habit and the experience of being able to make those choices in our own brain to actually quiet the chatter to actually quiet the constantly repetitive noise, to actually say, no, it's okay. I can exist in a place of calm in here. I love it. Oh my gosh. It sounds super powerful too. And it kind of takes us back to what we talked about in the beginning, but to really feel like you have that power to quiet certain things and make space for other things (laughs) is really, really awesome. So you have talked about freeing our minds, quieting our minds, 
can we talk a little bit about fear and how we can overcome barriers of fear? Yeah, this is one of my favorite practices lately. Mm. One of the things that I started to realize, I had a little health concern and it made me more fearful than I was used to. And I started to be afraid of stuff that I shouldn't have been afraid of, like really very normal things. And because when you have a health concern, everyone's like, don't eat that. Don't go out of the house. Don't jump up and down like that. Your kid shouldn't come be this close to you with, you know, a ball that he might throw at your head or whatever. And, you know, the world starts delivering these fear messages to you and my brain started to listen to them. And so I realized that what I needed to do was challenge the fear that I was actually fine, that everything was actually fine. And these sensations of, you know, fear that I was getting. So fear is another word for stress, anxiety, anger. All of these things are just different manifestations of fear. And these sensations that I were getting was not real, not tied to the world, is just a sensation. And that the best way for me to manage them was to say, no, actually, this thing is okay. I'm going to like stand next to my kid and let him, you know, let him do whatever it is because it actually doesn't matter. It's just a fear response. And so it's a practice that I may use anytime I feel a little bit of fear, I go into it. I actually do the thing that I'm afraid of. And when you do that, it dismantles. Because mm. on the other side of fear is always freedom. Yeah. So powerful. So powerful. I love this. And thank you for sharing that, your personal experience with that, because I think that makes a big difference too. That makes it very relatable. Yeah. You know, when you have a feeling of anxiety in your body, it's your body's warning system trying to tell you something about the world. However, our warning systems are often quite misaligned from the reality of the world. And so those amygdalas, you know, the part of our brain responsible for fight or flight, they were super helpful back in the day when we needed to avoid fires and, you know, we lived in really poor shelter and, you know, rain really could ruin our day because it ruined the food supply, like whatever. These days, you know, we still live in very safe lives, even if it may not feel in the media that we're safe. Mm -hmm. The immediate world that we live in is actually very, very, very safe. And any sensation that it's not safe is our amygdala picking up on a new story, picking up on something and hyper reacting and then creating a feeling in your body that makes it feel really uncomfortable. And so what we need to do in our lives is recognize that we have broken alarm systems mm. and recognize that the sensations that we feel do not match the immediate world that we're actually in. And, you know, practices like meditation help you downregulate your amygdala, downregulate that feeling of fear in your body. Mm. And practices like facing your fears and going into them help you to recognize that there really is no boogeyman. And when you're a mom, you can see this at play so often because we have kids that get scared of things that they really don't need to. You know, the other day I brought my little child into the room and there was a shadow on the wall and he said, there's a ghost over there. And I said, it's, it's just a shadow. It's okay. And he said, it's a ghost. I'm like, well, what would happen if we just went and we touched it? And he sort of like looked at me. I was like, do you want to do it? So he sort of looked at me. And so we went over and we just touched the shadows. And when he touched the shadows, he was no longer afraid. Mm -hmm. It was just a shadow. Right. Right. And that is such a metaphor for so many things in our yes. own lives. Oh my gosh. The shadows that we're <laughs> afraid of. the shadow. We as adults know it's just a shadow. <laughs> Right, right. Oh my gosh, I love that. Can you tell us in what ways you are currently showing up as a shameless mom? <laughs> in every way. <laughs> All the ways. Probably not every way. I'm sure there's many more ways I haven't even thought of that I could show up as a shameless mom. So one of the ways is by sharing stories like these and about having postpartum depression and about not feeling bad about, you know, laying out know, the perfect job to be a mom and then not feeling bad about not always loving being a mom. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. All of these things are okay. 
end by refusing to have guilt for any of the choices that I make. Nice. Nice. Oh, so good. This has been amazing. I so appreciate you being here, Ariel. Can you tell listeners where they can find you, connect with you, find Muse, the app, all the things? And then we'll link this all up in the show notes because I know you might have a few places to send people. Awesome. So you can find out about Muse at choosemuse.com. So Muse is the brain sensing headband that helps you meditate. The app that I mentioned with the kids meditations is Meditation Studio. That's in the app store. Both are our apps. If you want to find me personally, you can find me at Ariel's Musings on Instagram, ariel.garten at Twitter, and the Untangle podcast where we talk all about meditation and different ways to manage the voices in your own mind. Oh my gosh, this has been so awesome. I've learned a ton. I mean, from a selfish standpoint, I've learned a ton today that I can go implement. So I deeply appreciate this on a personal level, but I also know that there's going to be so many listeners who will have gotten benefit from this. And I want to encourage people to go check out Muse, check out the headband, check out the apps, really try to integrate some of these pieces in an imperfect way in order to have really big impact in their lives, especially as we are entering a new year. Awesome. Well, it's been a sincere honor and pleasure to spend time with you, to be able to communicate with everybody out there and look forward to bringing a little bit more mental peace to this world. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ariel. Okay, Mama. So before I let you go, one more reminder to go check out all the details, all the information on the 2020 Plan and Prep Pajama Party. You can read about other people's experiences last year and get all the info on exactly what we're going to be covering to help you make 2020 the best year of the next decade. Go to shamelessmom.com slash pajama party. That's shamelessmom.com slash pajama party. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.